Hey, Hound Dogs, I'm David Hankins. And I'm Paul Hankins. Welcome to On the Air with Power Squared. This week's special guest, Don Wynn, is with us. Say hi. Hello. How are you, Hound Dogs? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for doing that. <laughs> um, so uh, we always like to talk a little bit about how we met met each other. And I believe it was through, we were just talking about that before the show. I think it was through Instagram, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it was social media somehow, but then we met in person. I yeah. I say it was at a con. You know, I think it was the 2019 uh, Comic-Con, which seems like a decade ago. But um, yeah. yeah, I think it was <laughs> at a booth. And we've kind of kept in touch, which is good. And we saw you again yeah. at LA Comic-Con when you were the special guest of the show. Yes. Uh, yeah, you guys dropped on by, and that was kind of nice to be able to reconnect face-to-face yeah. uh, after, you know, what we have been through and are still going through, oh, yeah. scarily enough. I, I, uh, but I, it was I, nice. I will tell you, I was very impressed that you knew who we were when we walked up. I thought that was very nice. He <laughs> <laughs> said, hi, David. I was like, hey, okay. <laughs> I was yeah, to I mean, myself. you know, I, I remember you guys, uh, you know, I think it it was a Comic-Con, and we were maybe at the Geekscape uh, table. And it was yeah, I think you were. Yeah, so I was, you know, Jonathan Linden, um, and I think it was Paul, uh, his partner who was there. And then, uh, yeah, I remember you guys came up, and uh, we talked a little bit about the story. But I almost feel like we, we might have met before that event. Like, did you come to the Comic uh, Creator Connection panel that Toucan Learning does, by chance? Were you guys also at that? Well, we went to uh, Comic Career Connection. That yeah. yeah, Doug. Well, when Doug Neff was moderating it. Yes. Yeah. So that's that's where that's oh. where we met. Oh, so okay. You were part of that group. Yeah. Yeah. Because I usually remember, like, if you, if anybody out there is watching or listening, San Diego Comic Con, uh, you know, CCI Comic Con International runs San Diego, runs WonderCon, and Doug Neff and Corey Rothmill put together a fantastic panel. A few fantastic panels, actually. Yeah. One of them is the Comic Creator Connection panel. Which, which is, is sort of like speed dating. Yeah, that's how I would describe writers. it too. Yeah, you yeah. have like. So I think, yeah, I think we, we met there. Met there. Oh. Yeah, and then you guys came back down to hang out at the booth for a little bit and chat. Yeah, we've, uh, um, we went to there like three times. Yeah. And <laughs> never actually could connect with anybody, you know. Really? On a long term. Yeah, it was, we would, uh, Doug, I remember Doug always says at the end of it, yeah. you know, before you go to bed, write to three people. And so I was the first time we went, it was like we started the morning at like five in the morning. And by, you know, like we got home, back to the hotel around midnight and I'm trying to email these you know, people and uh, nobody responded. And uh, we just we just never we thought we a couple of times that we found somebody and then they yeah. would sort of disappear into the ether. Yeah, you know? it fell through. Yeah. So it's tough. Yeah. Uh, so we, we we found our first uh, artist uh-huh. on, on Facebook because there's a Facebook okay. connection thing there as well nice. and then uh when we moved on from him we uh we got, we uh, used uh we had our, our our colorist had come from uh, savannah college of art and design so they helped nice. us find somebody through there so rachel That's who's awesome. our current has been with us since issue six yeah yeah so and anyway. for those who don't know scad yeah. is a fantastic school uh, savannah college of art and design a lot of uh, fantastic teachers that work in the comic book industry are out there, so shout out to them. I have a buddy who graduated from SCAD. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, it's tough. Like, obviously, you you guys have been through that process where you know you sit down. You only have about I think it's five minutes they give us. 
I think uh, it's top. three. Or you know, you're, you're on three, off three, or something, because there's there's way more writers than there are artists. Yeah, so, it d it depends on how many people are in the room for sure. But from that, you can see how many people. You know, it's one of those like you separate the cream from the chaff, cream rises to the top, right? So like the people who are constantly a part of that, and you know, I met a lot of people and I respond, but if you guys have ever talked to me, you know that I'll tell you usually I'm busy on a project and I can't uh, get off of that, but that doesn't mean necessarily that uh, we won't be able to collaborate in the future. So that's always another thing is I keep people in the back of my mind and I always hope to see people from that event show up in the future or show me their work and hopefully we can we can share that work and bring it out to the public because I really do believe in you know pushing that event and what TK Learning and Doug and Corey do, which is fantastic. Work. Did you ever link up with somebody through that? Andy, yeah, oh, Andy okay. Nordvall. So uh, Andy had pitched me this wonderful idea, and I always kept it in the back of my mind, but I didn't have time because at that point I was, I think I was doing storyboards uh, for a film. But he was like, "Hey." Do you do Inktober? And that year we collaborated and we did our project Siren Song and we were the first team to take all 31 of the Jake Parker's prompts, Jake Parker being the founder of Inktober. Uh, and we created the first story out of all 31 prompts beginning to end uh, as a narrative. And that book, you know, it was uh, 2017 uh, we did that. And then 2019 that book went number one on Amazon Kindle in sci-fi and fantasy illustration and top 100 in print which is insane, we yeah. beat out a Star Wars book, which was number two behind us, yeah. two Legend of Zelda art books, and I want to say a Metal Gear Solid art book. <laughs> nuts. So yeah. I, I will forever have that graphic to cherish. Star Wars is one of my favorite franchises, properties, fandoms, whatever you want to call yeah. it. And uh, I would love to just lord that graphic over every Star Wars <laughs> So we, we did some research on you and found out okay. you went to UCLA and studied art. Yes. Yes, we are opposites, Trojan and a Bruin on screen together. Can you yeah, I know. It? Well, I actually never. I I went to the uh, PhD program at uh, SC and never actually got oh. the degree. But oh no, what yeah. what uh, what was your what was your field? Uh, well, it was uh, cinema theory and uh, criticism, which is oh, not wow, what okay. I went. I didn't. It's a long story. <laughs> <laughs> I went there. Okay. I went there to. Uh, I had I had done uh, I'm from Texas originally and I had done some yeah. I did master uh, my masters at the University of Texas and I wanted okay. to come west and I was too kind of you know I wanted to have a I guess get another degree and yeah. applied for the uh, production they used to have a PhD in production at SC yeah. well I applied and I was sold well it's really hard to get in and it might be better if you did critical studies and then transferred over. So okay, so I applied for critical studies. They let like three people into that program when I got in, and nice. then when I got here, moved to California, started yeah. school. Uh, so I like to transfer over to you know see about transferring over to production. Oh, we don't we got rid of that program years ago. Like, oh okay. no! So I thought I'd serious? I'd at least stick it out and see what I could learn. Yeah. But it was a lot of stuff that had no bearing on making a film. It was more you know reading a film and yeah. all this you know, psychological and cultural, not cultural, but, you know, uh, political ways. Yeah, and I was like, okay, I, yeah. this isn't really, and I, I like, I love film history, the critical stuff yeah. I just couldn't, I could never get into. So That's I, funny. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. I, 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 and I, I kind of, uh, I was like, tell the story, I kind of screwed myself over by, uh -huh. uh, they have a meeting where they talk about what you, you know, what you can do, and I said, well, I don't want to teach. 
because to me teaching is like having been in prison and when you get out the only job you can get is being a prison guard (laughs) because you're just on the other side of the bars that was not an analogy they really loved and so i kind (laughs) of knew my days were numbered there but i just didn't want to you know i didn't come to california to go teach in iowa you know or something like that so were you looking to do filmmaking that's what you i was hoping to do screenwriting but uh then i sort of had to get a job and then you know you you get married and you got to export yourself and then yeah. sort of just sort of became a, sort of a secondary thing and then when yeah. we decided to actually do a, a comic book that was kind of cool because then it used some of the writing you know that kind of stuff you use your skills yeah so that was oh fun. that's awesome yeah. now i i for some reason thought you were in the entertainment industry Are i do you... work i work at lionsgate films that's what it is okay. yeah but i'm in the rights management side of things oh all right so, so still still a part of the industry. Uh, yeah, I've been in the industry off and on for like yeah. 20 years, but not, okay. you know, actually anything that you would see my name on. <laughs> <laughs> hey, as long as you're, I'm, you know what, I always say I'm okay being a background player in comics, even though I draw comics. It's just like, I feel like it's a, a sometimes it's a support capacity and I just like, you want to be a part of yeah. that particular field. But that's hilarious. I actually have a very analogous experience, which is, I thought the UCLA art department, because I originally was in um, like pre-med undeclared uh, biology, mm. and I just did not enjoy that UCLA. And I came from a, a biology background, because my high school was biology, and it was intensive. And when I got here, I just hated it for like three and a half, three and a half years? Yeah, almost three and a half years. And I decided uh, in junior year just to switch and try to get into the art program, and they told me the same exact thing, which is you're never going to get into this program. I didn't know it at the time, but uh, UCLA was the number one art school uh, when I applied because of uh, the strength of faculty. But I didn't also know that it was uh, theory based. Like it was all about uh, art theory uh. and studio. Uh, they were pushing, you know, studio art, and there there is very little technical knowledge to be had. In fact, the most technical uh, class I ever had was photography. Like intro photography was the most technical thing. But mm. other than that. Like I was like, oh, I want to draw comics. They were like, nope, we don't do that here. So, <laughs> oh, well, I guess I'll learn some other stuff. So I actually became more of a performance and sculptural artist uh, when I was at UCLA. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, having that theory uh, in your back pocket is fantastic. But uh, I enjoyed my experience, uh, thankfully, and I, I feel like I've parlayed it well into other other uh, arenas. But, yeah, that's that's interesting that you, you came into a department here that told you that you could switch and yeah. then it was completely wiped out. Yeah. Oh, we uh, stopped so doing that years ago. Oh, great. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, so it was – Anyways. It, it had some fun. You had sort of a similar experience with your writing at uh, CSUN. Yeah, I got my bachelor's at CSUN in uh, uh-huh. English. It was creative writing focus, although it felt more like uh, lit theory with creative writing tacked on. Uh, so I did the fiction writing certificate at UCLA and that was a lot more craft based which is what I wanted so I uh, learned a lot more about uh, the craft of writing by doing that and then I also uh, I was originally trying to figure out how to write a novel and uh, I also learned how to write a TV animation and video games. Very cool. Yeah, so we've all had an experience where we ended up in theory. <laughs> be practical. Yeah, put it to practical use. Um, so 
what did what how do you describe your art style uh my art style is kind of all over the place i feel like if we're just talking about art in general but my conflict style in particular i feel is uh, somewhat cartoonish i don't really lean into uh, a realistic style or head towards realism that's not my thing and that's in part because of speed like i want to be able to draw things fast and get projects done and out and i feel like i've had a pretty good reputation when it comes to that uh so i hope to continue to deliver uh in that way but yeah i try to make uh my work still always working at it it's trying to have it be dynamic and fun and engaging and hopefully uh people come on board and stay on board and i feel like i've been very very fortunate uh, to find some great people out there who can who support the work and who uh, come back return to see what's what's on the uh the plate next um and obviously you know uh, we see each other, so uh, we're we're in that that circle of people that we constantly run into, and you know it's always good to see familiar faces uh, at events, uh, especially you know if somebody's like, oh, I'm going to be coming out with something, and they come back at an event and they show it to you. It's like that's that's a really good feeling, uh, and hopefully you know I, I feel like part of what we do is to foster a community that does that. So yeah, I try to encourage it as much as possible. But yeah, my style, I think, uh, somewhat cartoony. Uh, I like drawing goo monsters. So I'm huge into <laughs> characters like Venom, uh, for example. Um, and yeah, it's I just keep practicing and hopefully I keep getting better and better. So who would you say has influenced your work? You know, I was a 90s kid when it came to comics. So all the people that I really love were all essentially the, the founders of Image Comics, right? So I grew up, uh, my favorite Spider-Man ever drawn back in the day was uh, Tom McFarlane's. That was kind of my gateway. And, you know, I had read Spider-Man's by, you know, Ditko and uh, Romita and stuff like that before then. And it was just like, that was great. But for whatever reason, Tom McFarlane's Spider-Man really stuck out to me just because it looks so crazy. Yeah. Uh, all the little like lines and etchings that he would do when it came to inking and pencil work. Um, and then Jim Lee, I mean, Jim Lee's Jim Lee. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, so those guys were my uh, initial gateway, I would say, into how I started thinking about comics. But it wasn't until um, maybe a little over 10 years ago that I rediscovered my passion for comics. And that was spurred on by me walking into my local comic shop, which I hadn't visited in like a decade. And the three artists that stuck out to me, and I've talked about this on other shows were Chris Pachalo, uh, Umberto Ramos, and Scotty Young. And when I saw those guys, because their work is towards the, car the, the cartoony side, yeah. uh, it's very like animated, it's very expressive, and that brought me back into comics. And I was like, this is what I want to be doing. Um, and I feel like I, I take a lot of stock in the work that they do and inspiration from it. And that was the jumping off point for me to come back uh, into comics and I think at that point I want to say Umberto was working on Civil War Wolverine and then Chris was on X-Men and Scotty was on the new X-Men essentially it was like New Mutants yeah. uh, so uh, you didn't get the obviously you, it was more theory at UCLA than you liked yeah. are you more self-taught or did you go to somebody who sort of kind of show you how to draw comic books or 
Uh, I'm self-taught. Uh, you know, I feel like a lot of kids who love comics and start out drawing comics, they just pick it up by looking at comics. Yeah. And that's really the best way to start. Of course, everybody always references how to draw comics the Marvel way. Because <laughs> <laughs> every major artist you find will talk about that book. And that was like that was a pickup I had maybe when I was was it twelve? I'd gotten that book, um, and I still have copy. I still have my original copy of that. I saved it up for quite a while to get it, and then uh, sometime after high school, my best friend actually got it signed by Stan Lee for me, wow. uh, yeah. which is amazing. So I have it. I was squirreled away uh, somewhere, but yeah. So um, I, I would say that's kind of where that that fell into place. So do you uh, do you draw digitally or do you draw on paper and pen? I mean, how do you? Uh, I draw both. Yeah, I draw. It's funny because uh, a lot of the work you see that's in print that I do is digital, and people ask, "Well, why do you work digital?" And it's because it's cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> I don't buy paper. I don't have to use markers. But when it comes to commissions, when I started uh, doing commissions and tabling at conventions. My first convention, I want to say, was 2018, 2019, uh, Rose City Comic Con. Uh -huh. uh, I started taking commissions, and I went back to working traditionally because I love working traditionally, and if people are paying me, I want to give them a tangible product. So, yeah, that's all straight-up uh, marker and paper. And I stopped using pencils except for colored pencils because I don't want to break the paper, and I don't want to do a lot of erasing. So nowadays, I just work straight marker. I work uh, neutral tones in grays, and then I build up from that, and then I go back and I color it. So if you ever see work of mine, that's how it comes about. Okay, yeah, we. Uh, it was 2018 was your first convention. I looked that up. <laughs> right. You announced this, you're going to your first con in 2018. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about uh, conventions because everybody, you know, COVID has been sort of a shutdown for a lot of people, but you have been yes. on the road last year hitting a lot of cons. Does, yeah. Did that seem safe to you or was it just the opportunity to be kind of out there when most people maybe weren't or? I was vaccinated. So I was doing uh, what I felt on my part to keep myself safe. Um, and I believe in wearing masks. Uh, mm -hmm. It's funny because I have family <laughs> that my family has a lot of doctors in it and they're uh, Republicans. They will tell you get vaccinated. So if anybody out there is listening, yeah. let my family of Asian doctors tell you go get vaccinated. <laughs> they think that if you're not vaccinated, you're dumb. Uh, that's what they'll just tell you bluntly because they don't care about your feelings. Uh, <laughs> so, bedside man. Yeah. That's true. Um, my family is harsh. You know, my uh, my cousin, my cousin once was talking about grades, and my aunt told him, "If you get a B, you don't belong in this family." And I was like, "Oof! Why would you tell a little kid that?" <laughs> it's a high so, bar. Yeah. yeah, it's a high bar. Uh, yeah. But yeah, no, uh, you know, we we came back, and this was. This was the original strain uh, right after that. And then I guess we were talking about Delta at that point in time. This was the latter half of the year already. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Comic-Con, San Diego Comic-Con, at that point, the original San Diego Comic-Con was canceled for summer. And they brought that back as special edition uh, in the winter. And so a lot of people felt that because I guess it was sort of in that fall to winter time, we'd be a little bit safer. And then most of the conventions had, uh, you know, they were enacting mask policies that had vaccine or negative test mandates. Yeah. And uh, 
Omicron wasn't an issue then. So nobody was thinking, oh, it's going to be a complete super spreader and, uh, you know, we're going to be trapped inside the building. I think there's concern about it now. Uh, and the hope is that most people have their booster shots and they're working on an Omicron uh, vaccine booster. Right. So how that goes. Yeah, this year, this year's kind of up in the air. I have an event scheduled for uh, March 5th and 6th in Colorado. So we'll see how that goes. And then uh, WonderCon is in April, the first and the second, I want to say. Uh, so right after that, the month after. Uh, so we'll see how the rest of this year goes. But yeah, for the most part, all the conventions uh, I went to, I, I didn't really feel uh, that much in terms of apprehension and being at the event. The most apprehension or trepidation I felt was really being on the plane. So yeah. being on the plane uh, was what kind of freaked me out the most because you're really in close quarters at that point. And I think at the point that I was traveling, like planes were just full capacity. They weren't seating people like every other seat anymore. Right. So the entire time I was on the plane, I was, uh, you know, like hand sanitizing. Yeah. Like <laughs> everything. Yeah. yeah. And I had a, a full N95 mask. So I, I have KN95 masks and I have N95 masks. And my N95 masks were reserved just for being on the plane. Right. Uh, and then when I was on the plane, I just tried to zonk out and not interact with anybody uh, unless, you know, the flight attendant was coming by to be like, would you like water or Coke? And I was like, all right, we'll save that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I didn't feel uh, that I was in danger okay. really that much. Uh, I, at least I felt like I was trying to keep uh, my protocols in place where you know, it wasn't that much of an issue. And I felt like most of the crowds uh, at most of the events were, were really cool. The only time I thought it was really interesting, and this is uh, not to say anything about you know, FanX Salt Lake City, as an event, but more more in general of just the Utah areas, that was the only time I was like, oh, kind of nobody really wears masks around yeah. uh, Salt Lake City. Um, and, you know, I think they were in the place that we were kind of at, like a few weeks before we had that surge, which was, you know, we were just kind of re-emerging from the pandemic, and we were like, oh, we can like kind of go out and be outdoors again and like sit in like outdoor cafes and then if we go to like a supermarket we'll just have to put a mask on and mm -hmm. I felt like they were in that mode of like oh well if we're vaccinated we can just go in and not wear a mask um, but yeah it's also like it's not about necessarily knowing, knowing who or not to trust but I think it's more just like that central idea of like oh if I keep myself safe I can keep my family safe and my right. friends safe uh, then I can do what I can, but maybe other people don't necessarily think that way. And well, I, think, I know we were sort of uh, shining. We haven't been to a movie theater since the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, we had we actually sque squeezed in a a signing uh, like on September eighteenth. Yeah. Um, at Golden Apple, uh, which is oh which, yeah yeah. Uh, which was rescheduled from when it was supposed to be. We, we were scheduled for the Saturday after everything shut down in March of 2020. Yeah. So we had to, oh. so we finally got were able to reschedule it like you know, almost yeah. a year a year and a half later. Yeah. Uh, and then we went to LA Comic Con. We we had bought tickets along. We had never actually been to LA Comic Con. And, oh okay. And uh, we had tickets. We bought. I had to say it by a year ago. It seemed like. Uh, wow. And, um just sort of they kept moving the date and moving like yeah you know, uh it was gonna be a morning session only and then they opened it up so it was sort of that quasi clear you know it was just you know uh 
COVID was out there, it wasn't Omicron, yeah. you know, or so, um, you know, we kind of were able to sort of squeeze that in, I guess. Yeah. But so we've been very shy about going in, out into public too much. That's understandable for sure. Yeah. The, the LA scene was interesting just because, yeah, you're right. They, I do remember they had to push that a couple times, even from the pandemic. And I guess a lot of conventions were going through that because once the pandemic hit, they were all waiting for force majeure clause of their contracts to kick in. So a lot of them were like last minute, Oh, we're going to cancel or push the event. And you know, at least, you know, exhibitors and creators that might be an artist alley be like, um, are we getting our money back? Like what's happening <laughs> with this event? Uh, so I know that was definitely a, a tough period. And I know, you know, that's not a slight against convention and con organizers in any way. It's an understandable situation because they, they're trying to recoup their losses as well. So they've got to wait it out and figure out what's going to be going on. And then, you know, they are under contract as well. So I don't even know how that works. Yeah. They have to yeah, it's tough. So uh, you went to the special Comic-Con? Yeah, special edition last year, which was November. It was Black Friday. Yeah. Uh, that was that was a lot was of it, fun, actually. It, the, was it very, was it crowded? I mean, what was nope. it? No, it was not crowded at all. It was fantastic. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's funny because I feel like if you, if you talk to anybody who was an exhibitor there or a fan that went, they'll, most of them, I, I would dare venture to say the majority of people there had a fantastic time. Uh, have you guys been to San Diego Comic? Oh yeah, obviously yeah, yeah, yeah. you met at San Diego. <laughs> so times, but you know yeah. how crazy it is, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, you are like sardines in a can yeah. at yes. San Diego. Um, that's really the best. You're constantly bumping into people. People are constantly bumping into you. And constantly being told to keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. Yeah. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it feels like that. you're swimming upstream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, there was none of that happening at Special Edition. It was so chill uh, and relaxing. And it was funny because uh, I carpooled up, or I carpooled down, rather, with uh, artist David Mack, uh, you know, who yeah, was famous for his watercolor work, uh, you know, co-created Echo for the Daredevil series, hmm. uh, does Kabuki, just a fantastic artist, super yeah. nice creator. But at some point during the convention, uh, we looked at each other and he was like, is it just me or is this like the least tense event, the <laughs> least tense San Diego Comic-Con that you've ever been to? And I was like, yeah. He's like, it's almost kind of relaxing. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it was, it's funny because there was, you know, the, like however the experience was at LA Comic-Con, I almost want to say the foot traffic was kind of similar or even less wow. in some cases. But when people came, they came to like talk to you about what you were doing. They spent time uh, at your table. I met people who actually knew who I was, uh, <laughs> which was amazing. Because if you ever heard me talk about it, everybody thinks I'm Dustin Wynn. And it was nice because Dustin was one of their special guests there. <laughs> he was at a table like that. So people are actually coming and they're like, oh, I heard you have a cover by Dustin Wynn. I was like, yes, I do. Thank you for not bringing me your Batman comics. Uh, but, you know, he's he was fantastic and he was so gracious to sign all the Pablo comic covers that he did. Um, so shout out to Dustin Wynn who, you know, has a uh, Batman Robin going on with uh, Jeff Lemire right now. And they're launching a new series um, coming up soon, but yeah, it was just, it was a relaxing event. I felt like people had a really good time and everybody, the thing you heard everybody say was just that it was 
a comic book event again. You know, you didn't yeah. have the fanfare of you know the movies or entertainment or like that uh, specific aspect of the uh, pop culture arena that uh, looms over us so heavily at a lot of conventions. Yeah, and people were there to just enjoy picking up artwork, meeting uh, artists and writers, picking up their comics, talking to them. Um, and yeah, there was a it was a great time. Well, good. Um, yeah, we it was part of it was Thanksgiving weekend was kind of oh know, yeah, and uh, but I, I used to go to a long time ago before I was married and lived in LA. I would go to I would go to some conventions on on Thanksgiving weekend because there was like after Thanksgiving there's not much to do, but you know it was just the idea of yeah. going out. It's it's you know. We we go to Comic Con every year and it's like this. Ma- it's it's a big, huge money suck just to you know yeah. hotels. And they raise the rates like three times as much and stuff. So. Yeah, I feel like that was part of the consideration maybe of why they did it on that Black Friday weekend uh-huh. was because you know most likely nobody from anywhere else was flying in. It was going to be expensive to stay there, to fly in there, so that crowd is eliminated. And then locally, they probably figured. It's going to be people who uh, don't enjoy the company of their family or people whose families enjoy this sort of thing. Yeah. That was probably going to be who would show up. Um, so as far as I'm concerned, they did a really good job, and a lot of people, I felt, like walked away from the event really happy that they could just be there as comic book fans for comics. I was trying to kind of worry about Comic-Con since two years in a row. They've had to cancel all their events. You kind of worry, you know, yeah. that's, that's I'm sure where a lot of their money comes from is... <laughs> The yeah. events itself, so it was good that you were able to support them. Um, so uh, let's talk a little bit about your your creation, Pablo the Gorilla. Oh, there you go. Which is you signed it for us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah thanks for coming up. Sure. So tell us, uh, how'd you come up with Pablo and? So Pablo the Gorilla is an albino cyborg gorilla that delivers pizza. He just wants to live a normal life, but unfortunately the government that created him, they want their property back, and he's being hunted by something a little more sinister from his past. That came out in 2019, funded on Kickstarter, as you guys know. Um, And like I said before, I was honored uh, to have Justin Wynn do a variant cover for me. Uh, I was hoping that 2020 would be the convention debut where we would be traveling with it, but obviously the pandemic put a kibosh on that and mm-hmm. then uh, we we're you know i was able to bring it around to conventions last year and the response has been great and now i am working on number two right now which is one of the projects that we were just talking about earlier that i'm on uh, i also have a cover and i'm doing something again for uh, upper deck and uh yeah so hopefully we'll get all that done within uh this very first quarter of 2022 and then uh much like you guys we'll, we'll be launching campaign i'm also got a comic uh that i worked on with michael tanner from uh, junior brazily apocalypse from oni press uh-huh. we're launching uh, battle grapple rebel probably the end of march beginning in april just to coincide with uh, WonderCon, um and hopefully catch that crowd there uh, and i think that's going to be a fantastic project which i hope people will stick around for okay um so do you like working with a collaborator or working solo or does it depend on the project or for Pablo I wanted it to be my very own thing so for the first issue I did it like everything yeah like nuts and bolts right mm-hmm. uh, just it was all me um, and then you know I had people that would chime in and give input but for the most part the writing the artwork that was all me 
but I actually really do love collaboration. I feel like that's one of the biggest things that we have going for us in uh, comics, uh, in our medium. Uh, and it's always interesting because, you know, nobody sees the script the same way when it comes to art. And then no writer, uh, even if they sort of deal in the same thematics uh, or come up with, like the same general idea of like a character, like that character is not necessarily uh, portrayed or conveyed the same way by the writer, which is why you, you know, obviously we get a lot of reboots from the big two, but you know, I was talking about indie comics, like you and I are part of that community of indie creators and it's, it's an incubator for ideas, you know, it's fertile ground. That's where some of the best stuff comes out of. Um, and uh, in a way we're a little bit underappreciated, but I feel like since the pandemic, more people have opened up to indie comics. Um, you know, obviously Kickstarter is one of the biggest producers of comics. They overshadow the big two. I think a lot think of people- The big three last few years i think a lot of people just sort of survive kickstarter to kickstarter sometimes with their comics you know um yeah so we i i like the when we're uh we'll send the script to our artist and she'll come back yeah. and she'll have, let's say i merged these two panels she gets well she sends us thumbnails and says i've you know i've merged on this version i've merged the two panels and on this one i've made an extra and so we'll kind of go through that and a lot of times it's like okay you know, she was trained in sequential storytelling, so yeah. okay, that you know that makes sense, and we'll do that. We've changed some things around just because of her input. So it's we. I like that part of collaborating. Yeah. 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 I mean, so it, it sort of brings another side to it that maybe you didn't see or didn't think about when you're writing the thing. You know? Yeah. So yeah. it's it, it's nice to have that input from somebody else. I really feel like you know once you guys are in that mode of you know where it's true collaboration and you know sometimes you'll have some pushback and then other times you'll you'll get that spark of inspiration in talking about you know like how panel goes then maybe it'll jumpstart another idea for like your overall story i mean you guys are almost 20 issues in you said we're working on issue 20 right. yeah yeah so you're working on issue 20 and that's like you know that the the spark or the impetus of that like going from that that one just getting that first one out is like so hard to be able to have 20 issues that's incredible you guys yeah just it's i don't know if it's a labor of love or just being really stupid <laughs> we just keep going. oh it's gotta be both yeah yeah no i i, I do love doing them uh but it's it's yeah. you know we're, right now we're i've invested more in producing them than we're obviously making off of them but that's yeah. you know it's a, hopefully it's a long haul kind of a thing yeah. But, How do you guys uh, feel about your fans? Like, do you do you feel like your fan base has really enjoyed the work that you guys have been putting out? Has been really supportive? And you guys are meeting a lot of new people that way. Uh, oh, you guys are getting fuzzy. Yeah, <laughs> maybe that's on purpose. Oh, there you uh, go. Um, I have no idea. Uh, people don't really. We don't get a lot of fan feedback, do we? No. Yeah. So. We're still trying to grow the fan base and hopefully I doing shows it, yeah. and having people on that, you know, yeah. help. But, um, yeah, I, we, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if we actually have a fan base is the downside. You know, you would be surprised. Uh, a lot of people lurk. Um, you know, I remember the first time that somebody came up to me who actually knew who I was. It still blows my mind if anybody knows who I am. I think they know me a little bit more now than I did the, uh, the Jerry Conway, uh, Black Lives Matter uh, BLM uh, kind of BLM fist design uh, for Skulls for Justice, but before that, like somebody 
came up to me and told me they knew me from uh, Inktober, and that that I just didn't know what to say. I was like, wow. So you never know who's who's paying attention, who's watching you guys, who really enjoys the work. Just uh, just keep putting it out there. Hopefully, I see you guys at more shows. Yeah, we have uh, to actually get a table or something, but it's, yeah. it's, it's you know we have to you have to like pick those out way in advance, and so we're kind of. I don't, we're still kind of squishy about whether or not when we're, when we're going to be back in public. I guess. Yeah. You know, yeah. We're, we're sort of hanging, you know, the, with the covers up to our necks. <laughs> no, I can't, oh, especially right now. Uh, you know how Omicron is going. It's kind of nuts. Yeah. Um. So, what made you decide to pers- What made you to p- decide to pursue art as a career? Uh, some might call it insanity. I feel like I'm really good at what I do Um, I hope other people see that I've been fortunate enough that uh, the people who I've worked with see it and uh, come back time and time again same thing with uh, doing commissions and I'm trying to grow that that base and hopefully uh, more people enjoy the work and uh, enjoy what I do and you know the projects that I'm a part of the stories that have uh, I've been honored to help tell they come back and they support that, um, and I feel like I, you know, I've I've been super lucky uh, in terms of the things that I've been able to accomplish the last few years. Um, you know, for example, I was in a, the Nightmare Theater anthology that Clay Adams and uh, David Schrader do. That book was mentioned on Comic Book Resources as like the number one book to pick up from LA Comic Con uh, wow. this past year. So things like that, you know, uh, hopefully other people see what what. Uh, you know, I've been able to be a part of, and they enjoy that work. Uh, and I feel like you know, a lot of us creators, we're we're out here just hoping that what we do inspires somebody else, sparks interest. Uh, people love what we have to say. Uh, people agree with what we have to say. Maybe they don't agree with what we have to say, but they they find it challenging to their thought system, uh, to their belief system. And you know, that's maybe just a little bit of. You know what we can accomplish uh, in terms of what we do uh, out here, making making our funny books. <laughs> yeah, hopefully uh, people will uh, read and buy the T-shirts and all that kind of stuff too. Yeah, and you guys, I love the uh, the shirts. Can you flash that up a little oh. bit there? Oh, look at that. Yeah, that's a really great concept. Um, well, yeah, I think. What well, conventions have you guys done? Like, have you guys tabled already at any conventions, or uh, were you saving it? And we, did, just uh, we did a really small local convention. Yeah, um, the San Fernando Valley Comic Book Convention or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Although okay. it wasn't really the right avenue for, like, new stuff. It was more focused on, like, collect, collecting stuff that already exists. But we did actually, I'll say, okay. you know, we did meet somebody who's, I think, our biggest fan there, yeah. <laughs> as a matter of fact. Oh. Uh, well, there you go. You have a Yeah, well, yeah. yeah uh, the one. Um, no, uh, she was uh, there for uh, publicizing some movies she was in, and she came over to be nice and, you know, wanted to be supportive, and so she bought a couple of issues, and then we've been keeping up with her, Sue Price, and uh, okay. she's, she's been very supportive of us. We actually That's awesome. We had her on the show, and it was our largest view so far of any of the shows on YouTube and stuff. So it was very, you know, yeah, so it was really nice. Uh, out of that, we did meet somebody that actually liked her stuff. <laughs> but, yeah, it was mostly there for people books. that were going through books, yeah. you know, boxes looking for, oh, I got this back issue and that kind of stuff. It wasn't really uh, for uh, new new stuff. 
but it was yeah. it was interesting. And then we we've done a couple of signings, but very small. Uh, yeah. We did one at the local um, comic book store on Free Comic Book Day in 2019, I think. Yeah. And then we did the one the signing at Golden Apple. Golden Apple yeah. yeah. Ryan and crew out there. They're nice guys. They're Ryan nice. They, yeah, guys. we were sort of out there also handing out. It was also Batman Day, so we were all supposed to hand so out. We were also showing the Batman, <laughs> Batman stuff, the free books they were handing out. And, uh, if anybody at DC is watching, I'll show Batman all day for you guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, you know that's that's the thing. Uh, you know, I'm talking like you guys found that one fan, and a lot of people don't understand because I feel like there are some people out there that think, oh, if you're into comics. It's uh, you're just out to make money and like you guys are all doing well and we all know that's not true, especially when <laughs> creators. Nobody gets into comics uh, for the money. That is the common refrain of our business and industry, especially when it comes to indie creation. So you know, like working in comics, you're fighting for inches, right? Like every, you're just trying to gain an inch every day that you're out there. You're just looking for that one person who will listen to what you have to say and. It goes the same if you're tabling at a convention. You know, part of that, you don't want to be a carnival barker. Uh, we all know that's that's yeah. bad etiquette. Uh, but you want to be able to like see people walking by and just go, "Hey, you want to come check out what I what I have?" Yeah. Or let them know what you do is interesting. I think you guys have a really cool idea with Power Square, and I, I don't know if you guys have been to other conventions outside of the state, but I think like a convention like Rose City Comic Con. I can't stop talking about Rose City Comic Con. <laughs> that was my first convention. Oh, I love yeah. the Portland crowd so much. But there, you know, you got to find that one crowd that is their readers, right? And there's yeah. fantastic conventions out there like Rose City Comic Con, uh, Baltimore Comic Con. Uh, there are just there are people there who want to read, want to consume uh, literature yeah, and we, art. We, we need to. We do need. Yeah. We do know we need to get out. It's just the timing of it. I guess we. We did a, we yeah. did apply for an artist uh, table at Comic Con. Yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, before the then the COVID hit, and they were like, "Well, we're yeah. not, you know the people are already signed up," and so I don't know if we're, when that would ever come through for us. But I was surprised as writers, you could have a table. So, yes, yeah. writers, writers, you have a table, but uh, it's a little bit more of a fight because you're not out there just making like most of my most of my table costs and what I recuperate comes from commissions. So, yeah. So, you know, yeah. We'll do commissions. They'll just look like crap. <laughs> yeah. And there are there are writers that do that. In fact, Michael Tanner uh, once told me I think he was doing it as a joke. He had a little sign uh, as he was selling Dream Rays of the Apocalypse on his table, and he had his sign was terrible art, I think, for like however much. And people were actually getting commissions from him. And then one lady was like, "This is bad." And he's like, "That's what the card says." <laughs> we have a. Uh... Uh, we bought some uh, badges from uh, the those buttons. Yeah, it says not the artist, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 I've seen those. The pins. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so and those are great. Yeah. Well, we. Uh, so who who is your? Do you have an ideal reader? We always ask that question of people. I guess ideal reader slash target demo. Yeah. Whoever likes my art. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know my my ideal demographic when it comes to Pablo, like everything has its own audience I feel like and you have to find the person who is going to like that particular thing so when I pitch Pablo I pitch it as a comic inspired an indie comic inspired by indie comics you know if you are a fan of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Hellboy uh, The Crow Tank Girl you know if you're 
you love James O'Barr, Mike Mignola, uh, Jamie uh, Hewlett, uh, any creators like that, Usagi Yojimbo, Stan Sakai, uh, then Pablo is going to be a comic I think that is right up your alley. However, if you're a fan of things like Pirates of the Caribbean or Guillermo del Toro's uh, Pan's Labyrinth, then Siren Song, our Inktober project that I did with Andy Norwald, that's going to be up your alley. Uh, apparently, I once told a, my friend who was like, oh, you should do horror shows. It's like, I don't really do horror that much. And I looked at uh, a lot of my comics that I've been working on, and most of them have been horror. Two <laughs> 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 Cthulhu books now. Uh-huh. Uh, and, you know, uh, three Cthulhu books, actually. Uh, a project is about to launch uh, soon. And then recently did uh, the Holiday Spirits Anthology with uh, Travis Gibb and uh, Jerome Gagnon. Who it, that's a horror book. So, yeah, you just... Like I said, you have to find your audience and uh, be able to pitch to that person. So if you guys are doing conventions and you see somebody with uh, a shirt that has math on it, definitely call that person over and be like, we got a book for you. Yeah, someone's got Einstein, Theory Relativity, the Pythagorean Theorem, Euclidean Plane, any of that sort of stuff, Cartesian, just be like, hey, we, we actually, got something for you. We actually have, uh, we use the Napoleon Theorem as a portal in our story, so. Nice. Yeah. I so looked at it and thought it was kind of round. That could be like a portal. So we have somebody <laughs> that could move through that. So you got to go with the stuff. You yeah. just got so to find that demographic. Um, we have a whole... Do you guys... What? Oh, sorry. I was going to say, do you guys know the sketchy bugs at all? Have you met a bunch of us? No, I would say no. No. So one of the... the just one of the most fantastic sketchy bugs is uh, artist Maxie Rodriguez. She does Chubby Bunny comics. She uh-huh. does... We call her, I call her the zine queen of the group because she does a ton of zines and she does like the zine events and stuff but we were in Portland and um, you know she was having a moment and I was like don't worry about it you just have to find your audience and sure enough like <laughs> her audience is now uh, on TikTok I think I don't want to misquote and say something wrong but I think she's closing in on 170,000 followers she has a video that has like over 13 million views Wow. So again, it's just about finding your audience. You keep right? hoping you'll go viral some with something, but it never happens. You hope, but yeah. for me, it's even just about finding that one person who's yeah. like, hey, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, how would people find you if they want to follow you? Oh, uh, I believe you, right behind my you. shoulder right yeah. there, <laughs> Trademarked, and you can find me on most social media under at winning it. So Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, Twitch, winningit.com that's all that's all me okay well thanks so much for being on the show well thank you very much for having me on gentlemen yeah. i appreciate it always happy to see you guys glad to see you guys at la comic-con it was uh it was a rare treat because i no, feel like i i do appreciate the fact that you were like hey david we walked off <laughs> he knows who i am <laughs> i mean my memory is not the greatest, but you know when it comes to particular things i i try my best to remember people and obviously you guys are very memorable uh, and I'm just happy to see you know the family at it at an event. You know, and it was really touching to do conventions last year because I feel like you know so many of us were apart from each other for so long. To be able to see some familiar faces, meet some new faces, uh, get books into hands, uh, fist bump people, and then sanitize right afterwards. <laughs> uh, even doing that sort of silly stuff, it was yeah, it was just it was comforting to know that you know they're still good people out there who are supporting uh, and making things uh, you know on both sides of you okay well thanks again Don for being on the show
So until next time, I'm David Hankins. And I'm Paul Hankins. And you've been on the air with Power Squared. Uh-huh.